this is a pretty classy event, so I was going to wear a tux. Do you think that's appropriate? Is that going to be? Uh, oh, no, no. We're all, we're all running. We're all running tuxes. <laughs> yeah. now, now, tell me how funny would that be if we all showed up in tuxes in Buffalo Trace? People are like, we're here for the pick. What's yeah. wrong with you? <laughs> Hey everyone, we're back with the first community roundtable of 2018. We had around 50 viewers live on this one. So if you want to be a part of the next one, make sure you're following Bourbon Pursuit, Breaking Bourbon, as well as Bourboner on all the social media channels. It usually takes place on a Monday or Tuesday every three, maybe sometimes four weeks, but usually about three weeks is our cadence. Thank you to everyone who keeps this podcast running by supporting us through Patreon. If you want a Bourbon Pursuit t-shirt and be entered into the monthly drawings, visit patreon.com slash bourbonpursuit and choose a monthly donation amount that works for you. Plus, the Buffalo Trace barrel pick that we talk about on this episode that we're doing for the community roundtable will be going to Patreon members before they hit the public. And that's even if there's going to be enough left for the public. And as a reminder, please fill out our audience survey. It only takes three minutes and gets you entered to win a $50 Amazon gift card. We only need about 150 more responses to go. So make sure you go there and you do that and you select all the brands that you learned about because of this show, bourbonpursuit.com slash survey. With that, enjoy this week's episode. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel, It's Bourbon Night, bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 a cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. And they're off for another Get 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 0002703. Welcome back to the episode of the Bourbon Pursuit Podcast, the official podcast of Bourbon, the number one podcast of Bourbon. We are back with the fan favorite Bourbon Community Roundtable, and this is episode 16 of it. I uh, want to say it's a big monumental uh, moment right here. I mean, 16, 16 times we've been able to do this. Uh, before we know it, when we end up 2018, we'll, we'll end up with like maybe 
I don't know, maybe 25 or 30. I have no idea. It's going to be a lot, but this is always a fan and a crowd favorite because we take care of this. We do it all on YouTube live. So we've got uh, almost 45 viewers on right now. We've got a bunch of people in the chat. They're just talking about some questions that we should talk about. They're talking about what they're drinking. And so it'll be a pretty good episode because we've got a uh, a few different things to talk about. But before we do that, as usual, we're going to go around the table and people can introduce uh, where they blog or where they do anything from. But of course, your host, Kenny, as well as, uh, as always, Ryan on here as well. So Ryan, welcome, buddy. How you doing? Hey, happy new year. Yeah, absolutely. Good to see everyone. <laughs> First round table. Happy new year. Absolutely. So um, let's go ahead and start with Blake. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, so uh, Happy New Year, everyone. Good to be back in 2018. I'm Blake from Bourboner.com. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Bourboner Group, newly revitalized Facebook Bourboner Group. And um, yeah, stop in any of those places and say hello. Awesome. There's going to be no interruptions tonight because Carrie's gone. So this should go, go well. <laughs> it goes so much smoother and quicker now. <laughs> I was going to take a shower halfway through, though. So yeah. just so you guys know. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Nick, since you've got um, in there. Yeah, I'm Nick, uh, breakingbourbon.com. Uh, check us out uh, on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And uh, watch the release calendar. We got the new 2018 Load it up. You can still access the previous years. You'll find a link at the top for 2017 and links at the very bottom for the, the previous years there. And we'll be rolling out a bunch of new releases here as uh, we start to get word. But it feels a little slow right now. So, you know, kind of kind of watching for what's coming new in 2018. We got our big new 2018 uh, bourbons and whiskeys article uh, getting loaded up here. So we're, we're trying to kind of compile what we see happening for this year. So it's a little sparse on the release calendar right now, but uh, hope that fills in nicely as it usually does. I was about to say, do you guys usually look in your, your magic eight ball and figure, Oh, maybe this is what's going to come out about this time of the year. We, uh, well, so we, you know, we gather a lot of that info from, um, you know, we got a lot of people now that send us info right now. It's been a little bit slow and it seems like there's always a handful of releases that are kind of, maybe it might happen, you know, there's there's little hints around, you know, hasn't really been officially, you know, out there from the producer distiller yet. And we try to grab on to at least a couple of those. Um, they, they tend to get people talking, you know, sometimes just a couple tidbits are all you need to, you know, lead into what's going to be a release or at least what people maybe want to want to see. You know, so there'll be a couple things that uh, don't hit the release calendar, probably hit the uh, new whiskeys of 2018 that may or may not become real releases, but I think those are some of the more fun ones. Yeah, we, we love the speculation a little bit sometimes because it gets people little talking, bit. right? Yeah, a yeah. little bit. Ooh, I speculate? No. <laughs> <laughs> and there's our, our resident lawyer. So, Brian, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, guys. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, Brian with Sipping Corn. You can find me on uh, the – my blog is on is a Google blog spot, Sipping Corn. Find me on Twitter and uh, a little bit on, on Facebook, too, Sipping Corn. Well, good. Uh, I guess that that kind of, you know, Blake had kind of mentioned the new and upgraded groups. And if anybody remembers the last round table, I, I did my uh, fair share of uh, closet cleaning when I talked about how the bourbon community has really gotten worse in the past year. And it seemed literally in the span of maybe three to four weeks, it, not only just the, your group, Blake, but even Bourbon Info Exchange, it seems like people have turned over a new leaf. Uh, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's good to see 
And I think uh, a lot of the rules that you changed made that as well. So kind of talk about some of those rule changes you did to help try to clean up the the form itself. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's just taking more of an active approach with with everything. The, the biggest rule we changed was no more uh, no more unopened bottle picks. Um, if you're familiar with these Facebook groups, you give it a lot of what, what's called the crotch shot. You know, the guy buys a bottle, walks out to his car sticks it between his legs, takes the picture. Like I don't, I, I've never taken one myself, so I don't know what the, um, w- what the point or purpose of that is. So we got rid of any open, unopened bottles, which got rid of all those pictures. And then it also got rid of the person just standing in front of store shelves saying, Hey, I'm at the store. What should I buy? It's like, well, that's not really, not to say that that's the lazy man's way of handling the bourbon groups, but um, you know, there's, been thousands and thousands of posts just do a little research on a bottle or just get a bottle try it put a review up so you know it's kind of getting back to the more the enthusiast uh mentality for the bourboner uh group and instead of just having people show up hey give me the information like no kind of work for it a little bit and that that sounds a little um maybe a little snobby at times, but I think it's really improved the group and uh, really improved the community aspect of it as well, because it seems like there's a whole lot less fighting and people getting upset and uh, all that kind of stuff as well. So, so far so good. Um, And just constantly monitoring, making sure, you know, just booting people quick. Um, I hate to say it, but I've booted quite a few people just for kind of borderline comments, but it's like, look, if you can't play nice, I don't want to spend my time having to moderate you over the next six months. So we'll just How quick go ahead did and... you have to get rid of Kerry? Oh, he was gone before <laughs> that new rule change. So no, I mean, I, I get it. Like it's a bourbon group. You're here to have fun, joke around. Like I don't have any problems with guys giving each other a hard time, but I think we all kind of know where that line is when, when you cross it and start making personal attacks on somebody. It's like, yeah, that's if, if that's where this has to go, then you're just kicked out. So it's funny. I, I got a few messages like, Hey man, I'm no longer in the group. What happened? Like, do I really need to screenshot you calling somebody a mother <laughs> F and what blankly? <laughs> yeah. like, I, I don't think I have to explain this to you. I think that should be self-explanatory, but no, so, so far so good. I think it, uh, you know, I'm glad to see it happen because now you see all those admin dollars rolling in for all the time you spent on it. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. So I think the uh, the effective rate's up to like at least 25 cents an hour. So. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you know, you always had, uh, there was, there's kind of like three avenues of people that always kind of got pissed, right? You've got like the dick swing picture when people have got like their, you know, their closet full of BTAC and Van Winkles and people all of a sudden they're just like, well, I can't get my hands on a bottle. It's just a threat of just that, that, or there's somebody that, that does the crotch shot and people are, they're pity pissed about it. And then some people just have a picture of a bottle and say like, Oh, I'm going to save this for never. Right. And they get mad and say like, Oh, whiskey's for drinking, not for looking at. Right. And so that really starts a, a lot of those arguments in those groups of people that just have a, a polarizing opinion of just what you should be doing with your whiskey, right? So making yeah. sure that you only have open bottles pretty much sets the standard of okay, this is this is how it is now. Yeah, so and, many, and I think people got a little confused with, um, you know, this is a Facebook group. This isn't your personal Instagram account, uh, even though there are <laughs> you know, fifteen thousand Bourboner members in this group. Not all of them. 
Yeah, it's not your platform. They have not subscribed to look at your pictures. So feel free to post them on Instagram and Twitter because the people who want to follow you can see them. But we've kind of agreed as a group, this is what we want to see. And it's more reviews, more talking about like in-depth stuff. So um, yeah, that, I, I think that's a common misconception sometimes is like, this is not your platform. This is a community platform. So uh, and somebody, then, I don't know if it was in that group or a different group. I think it was in the Bourboner group. Somebody posted a comment a while back about, is it, what is it about bourbon that gets people so riled up and, and heated about things? Is that unique to bourbon or, yeah. it, it, you know, as a hobbyist enthusiast type of thing? And I, I'm not, I guess, too enthusiastic about other stuff where I'm in chats and groups to the extent I am of bourbon. So I don't really have experience with are there other groups that are like that. But I think the comment had just something to the tune of, you know, this is the only type of hobby or thing that I'm involved in where I see this kind of, you know, this kind of attitude. And so I don't know if that is unique to bourbon or just you must we're so in it so deep. Sports. Yeah, I would disagree. Yeah, I, I would say, I would say sports. <laughs> I could see sports for sure. You know, I, I get craft sports. beer is actually way worse. Do you think so? So I'm not involved oh, yeah. in craft beer. So yeah, I think it is. And the funny thing is I had a, I guess he's like my cousin-in-law or something's telling me over Christmas, he's in a kickball group, a local kickball group and guys just like go after each other. I'm like, Oh, so it's not just bourbon nerds who hate each other online. Kickball <laughs> <laughs> nerds do it. But you, but you get the thing is with bourbon, you get us together and we're some of the best yeah, yeah, yeah. ever. And so I, I've never understood how well we share when we've got something good. <laughs> and yet, well, you, you know, everybody's at, at odds when they're online. Well, when you're online, there's no, you know, it's just a digital thing. There's no like, I don't know, human touch. So you like, you lose that when you're like talking, like you, you don't realize that there's another human on the other end of that. <laughs> and so. It's much easier to just say something with no recourse and, uh, you can't be punched in the face through the internet. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, and misinterpret tone. I mean, yeah, exactly. you're reading it verbatim. You have no idea the tone yeah. on the other side of it. Yeah. I mean, I guess they could probably go for anything where anybody has an opinion. I mean, uh, Kevin Brickerhoff says he, even guitar forms he used to post in were less than civil. John Brown said golf forms get pretty nasty too. And I could see that if somebody's really proud of their pings and somebody says, oh, that's shit, right? Uh, I mean, <laughs> It's just, I'm sure that's pretty, uh, it's pretty bad. Um, and and uh, Kyle Anderson, watch forms. Uh, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, I, there's there's definitely even, you know, believe me, watch knobs. There's, there's people oh, yeah. that. Watches are oh, pretty yeah. If you especially, for those people that spend like 30 grand on a watch versus those that are buying entry levels at 2,000 or something, <laughs> like it's it's definitely like you have these. these 2,000. Catch twenty two said political groups are the best. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine those don't get fired yeah. up at all. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Urado said, "Go to a music page and say Rush sucks and see what happens." <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, while we're on the topic of groups, you know, this is something that uh, Blake has been pretty good at, and, and I, I almost think that he could come up with a a whiskey and food. Uh, inspired cookbook coming out real soon because uh, the last one he just had had braised oxtail and locally locally sourced grits 
you know, paired with his Hudson Valley, and it looked like it was something out of a cookbook. So, is that something that you got going on for the future? There, you just you just love sous viding everything, and you just got uh, to share it with the yeah, world. You know, that that was that was a brace. So it's not exact. It's kind of sous viding, but uh, not just something I like to do. And uh, I like to dive into the nerdier side of things. So um, I did get a bunch of crap for that because I had my brother and my mom were coming over to watch the game. And I'm like, yeah, guys, don't worry. Dinner, dinner will be ready like 6.30 or 7 at 8.30. I think we finally started eating. I'm like, we well, can't really rush a braise here. So I got to get my picture in for Instagram as well. But no, no, no. Uh, I, I thought a while back about doing like a Bourboner Eats side blog. But um, as of now, just just going to post it up on Instagram. Then I don't have to put more work into it other than just cooking and eating. <laughs> All right, good deal. So we'll get on with the, an actual bourbon topic here. So uh, it is now, as of January 1st, legal in Kentucky for people to sell their, their vintage spirits to liquor stores and bars, which then they can now resell to the public. And this has been, it's kind of been going on for a little bit, maybe under the covers here and lo- locally here in Louisville with um, a whiskey bar downtown that will that's be named because I don't want to get anybody in trouble, even though he's probably already in enough trouble. But anyways, <laughs> uh, this is reasoning. <laughs> yeah. But then also cork and bottle, one of the, you know, Ed Bly, the uh, very uh, good friend of the show and very well renowned liquor store up in Northern Kentucky. had actually posted on a few forums saying that they're now getting ready to start buying prohibition or even just liquor that, you know, they can, yeah, sorry, vintage spirits, not even pro, pre-prohibition or anything like that. They're ready to start buying vintage spirits so they can actually start reselling to the public and they put information about how you can get in contact with the store to do that. So uh, for you all, what do you kind of think is the impact uh, of this? Uh, because for me personally, I haven't seen any other store do this yet except for Cork and Bottle, uh, especially not here in Louisville. I haven't heard anybody really talking about it. Mm-hmm. I'd like to get Brian's take on the actual rule around it. From what I've heard, there's no real, is there a year cutoff or it's basically just not in distribution anymore? And well, let me, let me go ahead and I'll give the definition. I'll have okay. Brian give you his legal interpretation and then, <laughs> then you can start seeing the gray areas. So uh, as of now, the definition is a package or packages of distilled spirits that are in their original manufacturer's unopened container are not owned by a distillery and are not otherwise available for purchase from a licensed wholesaler within the Commonwealth, end quote. Uh, and that is also thanks to Chuck Cowdery, who gave me this information as well. So, uh, Brian, what is your your legal do we have to have a disclaimer before you do it, like yeah, you know, on Dave Ramsey show or something? Yeah, this is no legal advice, something like that. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's right. Cap on. Yeah, that's right. Right now, it's that's all it says is that it's got to be an open bottle. It's not owned by a distillery, um, and it can be now purchased by either a, a bar or a, a store retail operation. And it doesn't, and, and the, the key there is that it's not available in the Commonwealth. So does that mean Elijah Craig 12-year barrel proof B517 because it's sold out? Is that is that vintage? I think mm-hmm. under the way this is written, that's vintage. I don't think you need to go to uh, T.W. Samuel's pre-prohibition to be vintage under this definition. 
Now, what we're still waiting on and what the KDA has been working on since uh, last summer is the regulations for this. And that's what's going to define what vintage is. Because at least for Elijah Craig 12-year barrel proof, you've got batch names now and you can tell which is which. But what about um, what about a Four Roses private barrel, single barrel that maybe was never available in, in the state because Lincoln Road did it? Mm-hmm. or someone out of state did it. Can we now sell that? If I've got those bottles, can I sell them now? The what about just like good. Elijah Craig 12-year regular? Yeah, because it's no yeah, longer. Yeah, because it's discontinued. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly. So if you've got the 12, the red 12 on the front, or if you've got the 12 on the back, that's no longer available. That's That's technically vintage under the law right now. But again, we're still waiting on the regulations. So the, the stores that buy it, I, I looked up today the ABC website, the, the guidance that it gives, and all it says is that the – it gives an email address. Literally, that's all it does. <laughs> this, is what Ed, this is what Ed's doing, and, this, and Ed's awesome. But all Ed needs to do is email this address on, on this press – it's not a press, on, a, uh, on this guidance, and it's, he has to disclose who sold it to him, the quantity and the name of the, of the product, the date of the sale, and then he has to give his own retail license number. That's all Ed needs to do, and he so, can buy any of these things from us. They're not doing even like an add-on tax or? Well, the tax is when the retail sells it. So then the retail will, so they, well, I guess that's a win for the state because, you know. Right. Then so that's a 6% their, tax here when Ed, Ed sells it. For, yeah. yeah. Okay. So when Ed sells it, they collect the 6% tax. But it's not taxed right now when when you sell your bottle to Ed. Yeah, right. I think that's man, that's a lot of gray area. Well, it's, I don't know if it is gray area. I think it's just so like a liquor store pick that I'd done, like a Toddy's liquor store pick, and there's no more I can sell that to someone that would be okay. That, that no falls under like that would fall under the pick. category of not available within the Commonwealth. As long as it's sold out, as long as Toddy's, is, it's been sold, is what, two years ago, whatever it was, it, it's not available. So that could be vintage, depending on how the regulations shake out. They'll so probably put a year in there, don't you think? Now, as the, won't they put some kind of year in there or, hey, it's got to be pre 1985 or that's my birth year. So that's the first one that came to mind. But I'm <laughs> here. I'm old. Yeah. yeah, me too. <laughs> I can only sell to liquor stores and bars. Is that correct? Right. And they are the ones that have to be licensed to buy it. You don't have to be licensed to sell it. But now, weren't they? Do they, weren't they, do they have to, go ahead, Nick. Sorry. No, you're, go ahead. So my question was, is do they have to have like an additional license to go and buy this stuff? Or is it just at this point, anybody with a liquor retail license can, is it just at free will to go and purchase whatever they want? Right now that you need to have the vintage spirits license. You have to have okay. an extra license to be able to buy it and then, then resell it. Do you know what the process was to get, to get that or go through it? Or is it just apply? I, I think it's filling out a form. <laughs> go online, fill out a form. Right. Weren't they going to collect additional information about the seller too? That was something Cowdery pointed out. 
Yeah, the, when right now when you when you send your information to the email address, you you do have to just give your own and your retail license information and, and that other information. But right now, that's all that's required because again, we're not. We're, I don't know why they don't have the regs yet. I've, I've been I've been wondering that, and I'll have to follow up with uh, with KDA to see maybe where that is. But right now, it's pretty simple. So I wonder if there'll be certain sellers that are like banned, you know, or like a blacklist of sellers. I don't know. Well, it, that if like, like when they get think, caught, caught for selling, yeah, counterfeit. I mean, yeah. So now, now the risk, of course, falls on the on the bars and the retail sellers who buy this to make sure that it's not counterfeit. Mm. All the risk is on them because they're going to be and then selling is there a process they have to go through to validate the the validity of the bottle or not is it just like the buyer beware yeah, I think that's going to be in the in the regulations too, but right now there's there's nothing so yeah, if, you, if you trust i mean I trust ed I'll buy anything from ed that he that he vouches is authentic um but you got to be wary when when you buy from anyone else. Because basically, you're buying from them. It, I mean, you know, if it's in another situation, if you sell me something counterfeit, I can come back and sue or something. I assume I have some kind of recourse. But with this, I would go back to the store, and then I guess the store is trying to find the original seller if it's counterfeit. Yeah, and that and that that's a can of worms that no one probably tracked down. But that's that's why probably they have to report who they bought it from. Okay. So they've got that trail. So you've got to identify yourself when you're selling it. You can't sell it anonymously to a so no Bitcoin transaction. <laughs> that's right. It's a it's a very bad version of the blockchain, if that's what you want to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's so exciting. Then, I mean, I've, I've heard from several sources that that uh, there are there are warehouses full of vintage spirits for uh, bars that are either opening or are going to have new new uh, bourbon available because of this law because now mm. they can bring it in now they can buy it i mean the the the, the perp- one of the purposes of this is is to allow kentucky to compete with um uh, with new york um and what washington uh, what's mm-hmm. the place out there that has jack the great rose. yeah so so jack rose it may it even open see. a bar here right and bring some of that inventory and be able to get some of that inventory here from your great uncle's liquor cabinet or grandma's liquor cabinet. Um, now, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there here in the state. Now, when you said that warehouse, are you talking about just private collections that are now going to open up for potential buyers? Are you saying that actually distributors have been holding stuff back that can now sell stuff or something like that? Well, well, what I've heard is that there are there are bars that are planning openings now in Louisville that have been stocking in warehouses, vintage spirits. And we're going to have the same selection here in Louisville that you can get in at Jack Crow's. See on that, I still just, I mean, the economics of it still seems very difficult at this point in the market. Um, You know, even if you're getting some rare bottle for two grand, you get say what's probably 23, 24 shots out of it. One ounce pours. What's and you got to make money on it. Yeah. What's the standard markup like? <laughs> yeah. Three times or something. So. He's got to make. He's got to make about three or four x on it, right? That that's yeah. kind of usually how it has to work. And so I I think that when 
Now, what, what Brian said makes sense, right? The people that have warehouses already stocked that they can now open up and already have a already have a decent uh, menu of items that they can sell at a at a decent price. I don't I don't necessarily see, in my opinion, a whole lot of people here in Louisville that are going to go and sell their bottles of Pappy Twenty Three uh, or even you know National Distillers Old Taylor Old Taylor or something like that for near secondary value and then the the restaurant or bar or whatever is going to rebuy it and try to sell it for two to three X. Like I just don't think that's going to happen because they're going to be priced too far out. So the way that Brian made it sound actually sounds like more reasonable uh, of what I could see here relatively soon. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I mean, I'm, I, I, I think they're probably banking on out of state visitors to the bourbon trail and, yeah. and being able to have all of these bottles available from, you know, 1918 through the 60s, through the 70s, and get some Stitzel Weller, uh, Rebel, I mean, Rebel Yell that was, you know, dirt in the 80s is now sought after. Hey, what, $60 for a two-ounce pour of that? Um, it's. I mean, it's crazy, but it's if someone has that, they can sell it now. Hmm. I right. think if you're a, if you're, it's a great opportunity. If you're a retailer or you're a liquor store and you know, you, you put it out there that you're buying, I think you're going to find a lot of people. If you can market that and advertise that, you know, I think that would open up the market. I think there's still a lot of people who just aren't involved in the groups and the ways of the secondary, but they have bottles and they would sell them. You know, if they could do it legally, they would. And of course they would sell it for less and it's, and it's easy and it's legal. You know, if that's known to them, I think they could probably few places could probably scrounge up a lot of bottles from around the country. Yeah. I think, I think it'll be beneficial to liquor stores too, because their allocation is so dried up and people flocking to Kentucky and they're like, yeah. we were talking to Guthrie Kenny about, they're looking for rare stuff and we don't have it. And they're like disappointed. But I feel like if they come here and they have rare stuff they're able to buy, they'll buy it. But maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't I think know. That's right. I mean, you you take this big trip to Kentucky. You want to taste the different stuff. You're kind of on this vacation mode anyway. So it's like, yeah, I'll spend eighty bucks on a pour or something from the '60s or whatever it is. Um, it, even if it's only one ounce, I still think there's a lot of people who would do that. Yeah, I totally they do agree. it in DC all the time, but. It's, I guess it's, yeah. it's a kind of little, it's a different market. I mean, you got lobbyists and politicians up there. Everything's on a, you have a lot of people coming to Kentucky now specifically for the trail that would, um, you know, bring big pockets, so to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not too sure. I mean, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting. I think it, uh, you guys made some really good points of have it, you know, having it be at a, at a retail store where people have the opportunity. I honestly don't. I don't anticipate a whole lot that's going to be coming out of the retail market. I would say this is more or less going to be effect for bars uh, and restaurants uh, just because in the retail side. Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess if you can, you can buy it and resell it and make 15%. Sure. I guess. I mean, if that's, but usually at 15%, you know, you you want to do volume at that point. Right. And, and I don't know how much is it really worth it at that point to say, I've got, you know, $600 tied up into something to make 675. Right. Like, mm -hmm. Right. I don't know. I don't know if it makes sense like that on a on a retail side to to be able to do and put that much effort into to what you have to do to have actually a, a very much smaller market. 
of actual buyers, right? Because these buyers are not coming here to buy these unicorns at above secondary prices at a retail store, right? They're a lot of people come here and they they want to buy the Heaven and Hill bottle and bond. They want to buy store picks. They want to buy a lot of this stuff, right? Um, I wouldn't say the majority of people actually come to the Bourbon Trail to go and try to find unicorns at Liquor Barn, right? Because everybody I, can I go to surprise. I think they do, and then they but they think they will. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they they find out really quickly on the Bourbon or Facebook group when they say like, "I'm traveling to Louisville soon. Can anybody tell me their honey holes?" And everybody's like, "Are you serious? Like, there's no such thing as a honey hole in Louisville anymore, right?" Yeah, no. But with retailers, there's so many people that flock here that have no idea that there's actually no bourbon to be bought here. Like, that's right. Well, you'd be surprised in where they're coming from. I mean, I think you guys are still a little spoiled on a few things. You know, there's still the the Heaven Hill bottled in bonds and those variety, kind of things. Big not variety. the yeah, not the you're not going to walk in and find Pappy twenty three. Uh, yeah, Brian's waving a bottle there, but <laughs> they'll, they'll still have it so good. So <laughs> you know, John, retailers though. So with the retailer element, you know, if they can kind of get the word out to buyers and they can get the word out to potential sellers, I mean, they may be be able to connect the two dots of demand. And then they could work with that smaller margin. I mean, I can't imagine retailers are going to put hundreds of thousands of dollars into a few hundred bottles and just wait mm-hmm. for somebody to maybe come in. I mean, maybe some of them will, but you know, I don't think that fits the typical retailer model. Uh, but you know, they can through through online means and uh, you know other means just because they have a lot of people coming and asking for stuff. I mean, they can connect buyers and sellers. Mm-hmm. I think and probably effectively handle transactions pretty quickly if they figure out a way to do that yeah so i think it's more an opportunity like a sourcing a sourcing kind of deal right rather than yeah that's i, I would highly suggest that from an asset management standpoint not sit on a hundred grand in inventory of really cool bottles waiting for the right buyer to come in to make 15 percent or 20 yeah, percent mark not, not worth now, it there. No. now can a retailer buy from someone that doesn't live in kentucky does it matter yeah yeah, it doesn't doesn't matter where they are. They can now buy from anyone. Okay, but did that? There was originally. I don't know if this was just the suggested rules, and it didn't make it. But they were talking about requiring uh, a record of the seller's vehicle, make, model, and license plate number, mm-hmm. photographs of the bottles. I mean, did that not pass did through the? That might make it into the regulations, but right now, that as of today, when I looked at it, uh, the ABC does not require that. So if you're going to do it, do it, it just now. requires those four Before things. Out. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> do it now when you've got the email address and it just asks for four things. So John Brown has a question. He says, if this is going to be successful, do you think it has the possibility to spread past Kentucky? Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, 
Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. So John Brown has a question. He says, if this is going to be successful, do you think it has the possibility to spread past Kentucky? No, I don't think any other state's nearly as motivated as Kentucky. Um, you know, most states can't get the the minor things changed, much less a complete overhaul. But I, I got a question for Brian kind of on the same subject of being out of state. What about the states who say that it's illegal to sell liquor when you're unlicensed but i go to kentucky and sell it do i get like some kind of amnesty or something or could I be prosecuted <laughs> in my own state because you're refu- you're it's like when you go like, on yeah. Yeah. Like when a dispensary right <laughs> it's, uh, i mean the, the sale would be in kentucky if you're if you're coming from tennessee and you've got some sort of vintage uh-huh. tennessee whiskey and you're going to sell your when you sell it, you actually sell it here, not in Tennessee. So I can't ship it. Pro, I can't say, hey, I'll PayPal you the money and ship the bottle to Kentucky. You still might be able to do that. The, the sale might be happening here. It's all it's all it's a pretty deep in the weeds legal question. But do it now. Where Where is the where is the sale happening? <laughs> the transaction actually right. in the cloud. That's in the cloud. <laughs> that's right. No On the choice. Bitcoin wallets. <laughs> Bitcoin. That's right. <laughs> So, you know, as we're as we're talking about this and and what it's going to lead to, because, you know, let's be honest, like you're not going to see vintage spirits be sold at a reasonable price at any of these places. Um, But however, uh, when we look at the secondary markets, uh, we've seen that at one point eBay would shut down. However, if anybody's actually looked at eBay in about the past month and a half, you can there's a lot of stuff that has just flown underneath the radar. There's a lot of stuff that's actually on eBay now. So are we seeing the the rise of bourbon being sold again on eBay or is just eBay not paying attention to this point and then those just need to be flagged and taken down? You mean it's more than just uh, empty bottles and velvet bags now? It is more than just empty bottles and velvet bags. I mean, I've seen, uh, you, you name it, there's there's all kinds of stuff. There's not a lot of vintage stuff, but there are uh, your, your high-end bourbons that are being sold on there. However, this is one thing that people always need to realize, uh, and this is my take on it, is that after you pay your eBay and PayPal fees, which eat about anywhere between 15 to 18% of the title, total sale, you now have a recorded transaction mm-hmm. and you need to keep that uh, under, uh, you know, an idea that, yeah, this is, this is a recorded transaction that's happened inside of eBay. So that's not going anywhere anytime soon. So just remember that if you're trying to sell something on eBay that you can't hide this anymore. When you brought this up, I went and read the rules on alcohol sales and it's like, 
<laughs> it seems like nothing applies to sell bourbon on like you, it just uh, like you can't do it right the rules it's it's what it says uh however there are some things that say that if you are a licensed liquor retailer that you can actually do it um but it just i don't i mean from what i looked at and i was scrolling through looking at some usernames none of these people look like yeah they it didn't seem like they were retailers that's the thing yeah that's why i didn't really see anything like that so i was kind of kind of taken back a little bit because uh, you know this was this was an avenue where people used to buy and sell stuff all the time without any of the uh, the typical means we do today however it seems that it's starting to open back up a little bit and people see those high dollars that they're getting sold for way more than i mean you're as i said 15 to 20 percent more than what you would get on a normal forum however i don't think anybody's taking into account what you have to do in paypal and ebay fees and then you also have to worry about paypal goods and once you ship it and somebody says oh it's broken and you can't do anything about it you can't get your money back so buyer beware or should i say seller mostly beware on on selling on ebay but i don't know if you guys have any more things to add about the ebay stuff yeah i uh i looked i remember you told me about it to see if it was retail people who were selling and yeah it didn't look like it at all so maybe it's just you have to attach a retail license to uh individual account or something but it seemed like for a while ebay did a pretty good job of cleaning all that up so it just was a little surprising that all of a sudden they just were okay with it so i don't know maybe it's a it's a sting operation so <laughs> layoffs at ebay yeah yeah it's all one person and just a few usernames yeah exactly. <laughs> all right so we uh i don't know if there's anything else to touch on with that so we can we can move on a little bit so it's it's been talked about in quite a few forums over the past uh, week and a half. I know that this bourbon has actually started spreading across uh, some of the states already. And maybe it's not bourbon, but Crown Royal has now put out a bourbon mash blended Canadian whiskey. Uh, it says this new product is made with a bourbon mash bill. Blaster Blenders aged Crown Royal Canadian distilled whiskey in a unique combination of new charred American oak and first fill bourbon barrels imparting a subtle oakness and richer vanilla character. It has the complexity of a bourbon, but the smooth sipping flavor one expects from Crown Royal. Does it so, come in a University of Louisville bag? <laughs> it does not. It does not. But it does have a, a nice fancy new label, and it does come in in a faux wooden box, kind of like the uh, uh, the Rebel Yale tenure. Faux wooden is the best. Mm-hmm. So has anybody actually seen it or tried it or know anything more about it so i got a question about it and it, this came up i think it was skew that posed mm-hmm. the question of course it did get approved but how is it that they can put bourbon mash on the label well it's I, because I know TV approves anything but sure yeah yeah they don't have anyone minding the store but all they're saying is it's bourbon mash so they're not calling it a bourbon and that's that's the technicality there. You're Which that's where I, bourbon. I was wondering from bourbon mash. I think it was Q who was saying it for it to be so prominently on the bottle that could lead to confusion. But I guess that's more of kind of like one of those class action things of is the consumer fooled by it or should you know just pretty much everyone know that Crown is um, is Canadian. Is there any other neutral grain spirit in here like there is with regular Crown, or is it? Well, since it's since it's Canadian whiskey, they can put neutral grain spirits in it. Yeah. 
And they're calling it prominently on the bottle Canadian whiskey. Hmm. So I think that's, I mean, they're building in their defense for anyone who thinks that the word bourbon is too prominent. But ultimately, that's probably got to come from a lawsuit, right? I mean, the TTB is going to approve just about anything that's got the right statements on it. And then it's up to somebody else to file a class. Say they were confused or say that, right. 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 Which that whole thing, I mean, it's, I think that's probably a a tricky one to convince a judge and everyone else that you were confused by it and forced to purchase. But with this, weren't the uh, private barrels that Crown did a few years back, isn't that the exact same thing? Weren't those all from a uh, bourbon mash bill, new charred oak barrels? So is this just pure marketing of a product that's kind of been out there here and there? Over the last few years, or is it? I think it's getting rid of stock. Okay, yeah. Didn't they blend in? Didn't they blend in some whiskey that was aged in uncharred barrels too? I thought I read that somewhere. I haven't read much about it yet, but that I don't know. That I don't know. I just go by with what I read. So Scott Ritten Rittenbauer, Bo. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it says. Crown Royal Bourbon Mash Blended Canadian Whiskey <laughs> as Jim Murray's Whiskey of the Year. Now. That's pretty good. I don't Scott, think you're too far off. Scott called it right there. Yeah. Yeah. I also uh, like Kevin. That. Yeah. And Kevin corrected me. No, that was the ride that they did on the private barrels from the coffee or coffee you have still. Um, coffee still here. Yeah. I also, I also like Chris's comment that he says half the public thinks Crown is bourbon anyway. So it yeah. doesn't really matter. <laughs> I always love the comment when I get it's from. True. No, I I only drink the good stuff. I'm crown only. I'm like, oh man, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I'd be interested to see what it's about, but yeah, I think um, you know, I, I don't think there's anybody that says they've been ever blown away by a type of crown. At least I haven't. Uh, maybe because I haven't tried it in LaSalle, ten years. But the LaSalle crown, there there's the uh, what that the apple LaSalle crown would be good. <laughs> Which one? The apple? The apple. Yeah. <laughs> no, there, there was something. There was a uh, LaSalle XR or something like that. Is that I the don't blue box? Or, or is that the Waterloo? Yeah, well, the Waterloo and the LaSalle, two different ones, but both were fantastic. How do y'all okay. know this much about Crown? <laughs> I grew up in Michigan. We were sort of close. Yeah, some I've of the never thought about buying it. I had from that, that ride, the coffee still, were... I'd put them in the excellent range. Um, some of them weren't great, but some of them were really good. So, so yeah. Well, all right. Well, so I guess if anybody's out there and they want to uh, send us a, a, a message and see if it's actually any good or not, let us know. Uh, and we'll, we'll or send us sure all a sample, it. right? Or send us a bottle. I don't care. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, so that's the case. I mean, why, yeah, why if, not? If, if Crown's listening, like we're we're open to it. Like we'll we'll be honest. Right? <laughs> it's worth it. Worth a try. Yeah. So um, there was a, a rumor. Uh, I actually just wrote this down before we started, and this was actually given to me by uh, Bourbon Buddy, who some of you guys actually know already. And he was he sent me a message, and he heard a rumor that uh, OKI, uh, the bourbon that is being sourced from MGP coming out of New Riff is no longer going to be done anymore, that they are done actually sourcing all of MGP. They're pushing out all their stocks of OKI. So the last of what you see right now of OKI on the shelves, that's like 10 years or more, is the last you're going to see of that. So hmm. that is hmm. that is a uh, a rumor mill that you're going to kind of hear started 
it started started from him, but we're going to keep pushing it right here. So, oh no, what will we do? Mm-hmm. But just well, to say that there's a lot of people that out there have um, you know private barrel picks of OKI, and there's some stuff that's on the on the shelves, and it's not a bad bourbon. I mean, it's it's good MGP no, bourbon, right? Bad. So if you if you enjoy it, you might want to think about grabbing an extra bottle or two just in case. What's the reasoning? Are that they just changing the name or? No, I think contract distiller. Well, they've they've been distilling so much now for a while that they're going to start uh, pushing their own product now. However, I don't know how long it's going to be until they start actually rebottling or bottling it as their own distillate of OKI. As I said, the only thing that I know is that the current source MGP stuff is going to be uh, pushed out to market as much as they can. And then that's going to be the end of it. So they're, I'm mean, not severing complete ties with MGP, but they're, they're halting down the process uh, quite a bit from what I understand. They make the, they're the source for rabbit hole as well, right? Correct. At that's this point cool. they are. Yeah. yeah. So is that because they're now pushing out their own product or they just had a fallout with MGP or we don't quite know? They didn't pay their bills. <laughs> I don't know if they had a fallout, right? But I mean, they've been building their own product for a while. Um, as as Ryan had just said, that they are the uh, the contract distiller for Rabbit Hole amongst a, a bunch of other ones. And so, you know, they've been contract distilling and they've also been distilling for themselves. So at this point, I don't know how long the operation's been going. I want to say at least three to four years. So they've got to have some stuff that's been kind of pushed to the side where they are going to start pushing out OKIs, their own juice here, uh, relatively soon. So I would, I would be remiss to say that I don't know the exact reason why, but again, it's just rumor mill stuff. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's kind of what we want to see anyways, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, not necessarily, but not necessarily to phase it out completely, but, you know, to start moving to their own distillate and, um, you know, kind of pulling back a little bit on the source stuff. At least for I agree. Me, like it should be yeah. it should be the goal, right? Yeah, yeah. Start with MGP, and then you've got your own. Yeah, one day MGP is going to have um, just surplus stock again. That's what I want to see. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> see, and then instead of just picking our own roundtable barrel, we'll just come out with our own line and we just source yeah. it directly yeah. from MGP, right? Because <laughs> finally they'll have enough that we'll have it cheap <laughs> enough that we can actually come out with our own line, right? Although I've 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 heard from inside sources that there's a lot more available than people want you to think. It's not cheap, but there's a lot of bourbon available. There, I've got I've got a comment for that offline. Well, we can talk about that when we go to pick the barrel this week or next week. Nice. <laughs> it is next week. Nice. Is yes. it next week? Oh my god! No, no, no. Two weeks. Two weeks. Sorry. Two weeks. Two weeks. All right, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to close it out. We got uh, one last question because this is always just uh, something that people like to know, want to know more about us. What is your favorite weeded bourbon ever? Uh, and if you say, if you just say Weller Special Reserve, I'm go ahead. I'm just going to boot you from the round table. You're out. Like you're never getting done. another appearance. <laughs> Maker's mark. Seventy nine ninety nine in the secondary. Makers <laughs> <laughs> is okay because everybody's at some. Don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't know anybody that's even a bourbon collector that doesn't have a bottle of Makers, even a collectible bottle, somewhere on their shelves, right? So Makers is okay, but Weller Special Reserve. You're, I'm just gonna go ahead and cut. It gets you it gets mixed up with it gets mixed up. People hear Weller, they hear they just hear Weller. They don't know the difference at first between twelve year and antique and that. 
So they see Weller and they think it's something that people are paying a hundred bucks for. Well, Nick, so since you you feel like chiming in, what's your what's your favorite <laughs> weeded bourbon that you've ever had? And this could be something that's limited, completely gone, still on the shelves, whatever it is. You know, uh, favorite is a it's a a, a tough word. Um, yeah, it's funny because when we do our favorites of the year, we, we don't necessarily pick our highest rated um, whiskeys of the year. We actually deliberately kind of pick the ones that just stand out to us the most. And I think my favorite, sorry, I might, uh, I might steal uh, somebody's thunder here, but the, the blend of mash bills just always sticks out in my mind as really kind of a, you know, this Parker's heritage blend of mash bills as just a really unique um, whiskey. I was was fortunate to uh, get the, they they released it in, in three different proofs. It was uh, barrel proof. And I was fortunate to get the um, uh, bottle of the, the highest proof at the time. And, Honestly, it was back when it wasn't really hard. It is hard to get as it can be now, although depending on the year, it can be easier to get Parker's. But, um, you know, it, it's been a fantastic bottle. And ironically, uh, a local um, whiskey bar here has kind of received, for whatever reason, these blend of mash bottles kind of randomly. And Eric, uh, one of the other guys that does Breaking Bourbon, um, you know, we both live in Syracuse. And uh, I think we've single-handedly um, drank the two bottles they've had over the years and they've priced it at like $12 a pour and no one seems to know what it is or oh. go for it. Um, and so every time we'd go back, it's still there and it still looks exactly the same as how we left it. So that's one that just stands out in my mind. Sounds like when you go bourbon hunting in Syracuse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, Ryan, it sounds like he took yours a little bit there, huh? Yeah. I, but I had a couple, uh, that I was like torn between. So, I guess I have two left now that the blend of Mashville's is gone. Uh, the the weeded warrior, I was lucky enough to have that at Bill Thomas's house. It was awesome. And then uh, I had a a JPS private selection from Husk, eighteen year. That wow. I guess that's yeah, that was pretty fantastic. So uh, those are probably my two favorite. They're like. True unicorns, you'll never find them. So sorry, guys, you'll never be able to try them. Probably. I was about to say those are those are definitely some some unicorns right there. And yeah, I've I've had JPS eighteen before. I've had some Stitzel Weller. It is it's fucking it's delicious stuff. So, uh, yeah. Blake or Brian, go for it. Okay, I'll go. Um, go ahead, Blake. But first, I just wanted to go ahead and give Kenny's answer because he was in the Bourboner uh, blind tasting number two, which was weeded. So his favorite is the poor man's pappy from yeah. a blender. It has to be in the niche of bullets. <laughs> I don't stuff. want no. him to say anything else. I want him to give credit where credit is due. <laughs> um, no, but mine is, man, nah, it's got to be William LaRue Weller. Um, I've had some other ones um, that definitely stick out. There was a, a private selection. Uh, it's actually wasn't even a private selection. It was a store down here who tried to get a private selection, JPS 18, but couldn't. So Trey Zeller sent him a sample of a barrel-proof version um, of some leftovers, and it was just unbelievable. But that seems a little unfair to add that into the uh, – to the mix so i'm gonna stick That's with a true unicorn yeah i'm gonna stick with uh william larue weller no specific year um you know I, I think it's pretty much consistently good there there's some up and ups and downs but their margin of error is very small with that with that lineup in my opinion 
This year's was Good fantastic. Call. Seventeen oh, yeah. was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd I guess probably I got to open, open up my seventeen at some point then to, <laughs> to compare. I'll be there to do it for I'll you. Come over then. You'll have it on January twenty second or twenty third. Yeah, 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 I guess. Yeah, and I the twenty second. Uh, I've probably got a couple. I've JPS seventeen that I that some buddies gave me for my fortieth birthday. Um, before I could really appreciate what it was, it was half gone, and then just realized how great it was, and it just kept getting better. I mean, I, I can't say enough good about about that seventeen year that came out. And then two others that um, are a little less fair, like Blake was saying. I mean, I, I've had the privilege in a thunderstorm of trying some weeded, old weeded bourbon at uh, at Willet and getting drilled out of the barrel. And that's all atmosphere, but it was fantastic. Um, old weeded bourbon there is just, I mean, can't really can't be beat. And then some of the sea barrels from Willet that were weeded. Yeah. Um, the sea, whatever it was, C14D. I don't remember the numbers. Yeah. But one of the, it, yeah, 22 year old weeded. I mean, it had this Tootsie Roll quality to it. And instead of that, you know, cherry blast, it had this Tootsie Roll. And it's just fantastic. So, so I, I, I personally think a lot of the, I think a lot of the weeds can handle that extra age more than the than the rise of the secondary grain. Softer, and they've just they've just been fantastic. Those sea barrels, they were burn on weed, right? I'm saying, yeah, yeah, that's that's the rumor. Yeah, yeah. yeah so uh, just to kind of close things up, some people in the chat were saying Weller Centennial, how they miss it. Uh, Kevin Brickerhoff said that is. He's not sure, but his favorite might have been the uh, Heaven Hill Select Stock Weeded Eight-Year Cognac Barrel Finish. Uh, that was, I think, a few years ago. Uh, but for me, you know, as it's, it's been mentioned already, like Stitzel Dusties, you know, when you when you get the opportunity to actually sit down and enjoy them, you know, when as Brian had mentioned earlier in the show that at some point people consider them dirt and garbage, but now when you get the opportunity to actually crack open a bottle and get to enjoy it, I had a, a an old Fitz Dusty at one of my buddy's house. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's just, it's just good stuff. Uh, it's not like the very, very old fits or anything like that, but it was just a old fits 1849 or something like that. And then I would say one of my favorites of probably the recent, uh, maybe like four years of just buying and, uh, stuff like that would be, you know, it, it's without remiss to save, uh, Parker's one year passing, but the, the Her- Parker's heritage 13 year, we did uh, the 127 proof, I believe, was the the better of the two batches. Yep. And then to kind of just go along with what everybody's saying in here, the best bang for your buck that you can get on uh, wheat weeded bourbon today is probably OWA store picks. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So with that, I want to say thank you, everybody, for joining in the show tonight. This was fun to go around the table. Uh, let's do it one last time so you can just give an idea of where you blog at and how they can follow you. So, Blake, go ahead and kick it off. Yeah. Thanks again, guys. Enjoyed it. Uh, I'm Blake from Bourboner. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, B-O-U-R-B-O-N-R, or bourboner.com backslash blog. <laughs> I'm Nick from Breaking Bourbon. Find us online at BreakingBourbon.com or Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Breaking Bourbon. 
Ryan, you gonna do one? No, well, Brian, Brian, you gotta do it. Brian, Brian, Brian gotta jump in. Yeah, Brian's got a Brian's Brian's our closer, man. Yeah, he's, right, he's got that cleanup. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I'm I'm Brian with Sipping Corn. Uh, if you're interested at all in the legal side of bourbon, uh, check out the blog, uh, Sipping Corn Blogspot. Uh, check me out at Twitter at Sipping Corn a little bit at uh, on Facebook, of course, Sipping Corn still, and uh, and and here's a drink of Heaven Hill six year in memory of the one year anniversary of Parker's passing. So, cheers, everyone. cheers to that. Cheers, cheers. cheers. absolutely. So I uh, want to say thank you guys again for uh, for joining with us tonight. And uh, it's always a pleasure because this is always a fan favorite. Uh, it's it's fun to to kind of get the real life banter. People can join in and they can talk. They can sit there and tell us what their favorite weeded bourbon was. So it's always great. Make sure you always, uh, if, if you're not doing anything right now, uh, you're not doing anything 10 minutes from now, you're not doing anything an hour from now, make sure you go and you take the Bourbon Pursuit survey. So bourbonpursuit.com slash survey. So we can get an idea of your buying habits. We're going to use all that good data to mine it and then take it to people and say, look at what people buy because of this podcast, right? So please go ahead. And you don't even have to click like the terms of agreement, you know, you just, you just <laughs> are telling you what we're doing with your info. You agree no matter what. <laughs> this is the terms of service right here. Well, you should have heard it on the show that we're yeah. going to sell your <laughs> <laughs> but we will give you a $50 Amazon gift card if you win. We've got uh, just a few hundred more entries, and then we're going to give that one away. So I want to say thank you, everybody, that we we actually have a little bit over 500 people that have responded already. You guys could do, <laughs> a, you guys could do an eBay gift card. No, it's, it's my job. That's what we should do. We should, we should do an eBay gift card. So now you can go and you can buy those bottles off of eBay, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let, let me jump in one, one more time, Kenny, and say thanks to uh, John Brown. Appreciate you reading. And Kevin, yes, I enjoyed the samples. I mean, I, I appreciate everyone on these on these comments. Best parts of this is flipping back and forth and looking the, at those comments. And uh, we encourage everybody to to do that. That's great. Thanks, guys. Yep, I agree. I got to say to John Brown's comment, it's actually ironic. I, I, I myself fell victim to that too, Brian, a number of years ago. I think I, I just went back to post one and just started just going through them chronologically. I spent at least a couple hours reading through them. <laughs> That's great. Well, check October 2018. There's some book called Bourbon Justice coming out. So there'll be a little <laughs> few more stories. Looking forward to it. I heard yeah, it's a good writer. <laughs> <laughs> Hope it's ghostwritten. There you yeah. go. All right. Well, cool. Right. So uh, and with that, it was out or you close it out. You go. Well, let me just go ahead and just give a plug for Patreon as well. So make sure that if you do like the show, you support us. Go to Patreon. Also, I don't think Nick said it, but make sure you take care of bourbon, uh, Breaking Bourbon on Patreon as well. So p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash bourbon pursuit. We've actually been doing uh, a few different giveaways on there that haven't really been broadcasted. So if you uh, if we're just I'm actually just kind of like clearing out a whole shelf of grab bag and swag stuff that either doesn't fit Ryan or I, or that we just not good enough for a regular good giveaway. So we're just doing a few giveaways now every single month. So make sure you go and you join us on Patreon. You can get entered into some of those giveaways as well. Uh, and now with that, Ryan, go ahead and close us out. I have to give credit for Brown and Foreman. I want to say thank you for this product. This early times ball and bond has been the best thing that's happened to bourbon in a while for me. And I've chased down about 10 bottles of this stuff. It is absolutely fantastic. And I probably shouldn't tell you all, but it, it is really good stuff.
Yes, but anyways, our last giveaway was uh, we actually did blind samples of whiskey of the years that we had all chosen as part of this this roundtable. And I actually had Ryan over one day, and he's like, "All right, you know that whatever Willet Barrel that I had chosen." He was like, "I change it now. It's this early times bottled and bond stuff." So. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's twenty bucks for you know like a liter, so it's great price, fantastic juice. But thank you all for all joining us. I know it takes up a lot of your time and this is obviously one of the coolest things we do because we get the fan interaction your all's interaction so i look forward to it every time so uh if you guys have show suggestions comments feedback please let us know and we'll see you next time